Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Jeremiah, the 18th chapter, verses 1 through 11. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Come, go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as seemed good to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, can I not do this with you? can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done, says the Lord? Just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. But if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will change my mind about the disaster that I intended to bring on it. And at another moment, I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it. But if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will change my mind about the good that I had intended to do to it. Now, therefore, say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, look. I am a potter shaping evil against you and devising a plan against you. Turn now, all of you, from your evil way and amend your ways and your doings. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. Let's pray. Lord, as we read and studied the scriptures for this week, as your church, We were challenged. We were challenged and and given time to truly reflect on our own lives and our relationship with you. Lord, we invite the Holy Spirit to convict our hearts, to open our minds, to open our hearts to your word. And we know in order to do that, that I have to get out of your way. That is our prayer as your church. In Jesus' name, amen. The scripture readings for this week, for today, are very, very challenging as you well know. This is going to be, as we read and studied the scriptures this week, one of those challenging weeks for all of us. For both the Jeremiah and the Luke text, they have hard sayings. Teachings that, to many of us, seem violent, vengeful, over-demanding, out of character for many of us with this loving God. Instead of using this week, we could have, we could have brushed over these scriptures and gone somewhere else. We could have taken this opportunity to not have taught and preached about these scriptures. But as 
I read the Luke text and the Jeremiah text. I was reminded. I was reminded of how Jacob wrestled with God. How that, how that he wouldn't let go of God until God blessed him. He wrestled. And God did bless him. Pulled his hip out of joint and he was a cripple for the rest of his life. But God did bless him. And so I thought as, as the church that Jesus gave his life for, how could we skip over these texts for this week? For you see, we are a people of faith. And as we saw last week in the scriptures, the Bible is the church's book. It's authoritative for the way that you and I live our lives. It is the standard. It is the read. It is the canon for which we live our lives as Christian people. God's people had to be frequently called back, talking about Israel, had to be called back to God's path. Their task, like ours, is to show people how that, how that we've been tempted to go down other paths and how that we can get back in the will of God. The early church called it the way. We also can reflect this morning on how following God, being a Christian, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, was never going to be a leisure time. A leisure time activity that we take up at our convenience when it's handy for us. When we don't have anything else to do. I know that I found in my life that the more of my life that, that I love the Lord, following becomes a way of life. It becomes who we are, it defines who we are. In our Old Testament scripture last Sunday, in the Jeremiah passage, God put the people on notice. They had been wooed away by all of the Assyrian gods. They had abandoned God's law. They had forgotten the marginalized, the vulnerable, in other words, the poorest of the poor. They have forgot. As a matter of fact, they took advantage of them. They have forgotten how God delivered them from slavery. Our, commun our, our communion service says delivered them from, from, from slavery to sin and death. But how that God had delivered them from bondage. How that God had protected them and gave them food and water. Forty years in the desert. They had forgotten. For you see, they had already formed. They had already formed them a back to Egypt committee. It would have been easier to have died. Remember? It would have been easier to have stayed in Egypt 
We had plenty of watermelons to eat. Life was good. They had forgotten. They had forgotten how oppressed they were. That's so easy for us to do today. We get caught up in life and we forget. We forget the wilderness that God has brought us through. We look back in our lives and we see the valleys. We say, well, I got through that. Yes, you did. But you weren't alone. More than likely, you had a lot of people praying for you and God was with you. It's easy for us to forget that. We get caught up in life and we forget. It's not until we're reminded as we read God's Word that we're reminded and we look back that we see God's providential care for us time and time again. It's easy for us to forget the deliverance of God for us while we were in the wilderness. This week, Jeremiah resorts to an overt warning. He told the people that God had led him to the potter's house. Go down and see the potter. Y'all ever watch those dudes at Eureka Springs or Branson or where it is to make that clay? I was, I was talking to one of them, and he completely messed up his his part, it fell over and, and everything, and uh, got on his nerves probably so bad that, that, that that's probably what happened. But, but yeah, I was just visible. It's amazing how they do that. To me, it, that, that's amazing. Of course, Charlie, airplanes are too. I really don't believe they can fly, but, but anyhow. The vessel that the potter was attempting to create, it got spoiled. Carolyn has read that to us this morning. It got spoiled. So the potter reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to him. It wasn't turning out the way that the potter had intended. We all know how careful that, that a potter's hands have to be in all that. It's a delicate matter to shape the clay pot into a vessel. It's truly the work, in my opinion, of an artist. And the commentaries this week said a slight change in, in pressure or even a change in mind can result in, in, in the pot becoming ruined. Nevertheless, the potter can still turn the clay into something else. Here's what God says. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as the potter has done? God told Jeremiah, just like the clay in the potter's hands, so are you in my hands. O house of Israel. At one moment I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. But if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, in other words, repents. Remember that word repent? Turns back to God. I will change my mind about the disaster that I intended to bring upon it. That's verses 6 through 8. The image of the potter, creator. God is creator. God spoke and everything came into being. He's the creator. He's the potter. We're the clay. He didn't ask me 
God didn't ask me, Tom, what do you think? He didn't say, how do you like that, big boy? God never, he didn't ask me my opinion. And I'm guessing he probably didn't ask y'all either. What, what we thought as the clay that we wanted to be molded into. God can destroy what is being formed and turn the material into something better. This sounds like, I know as you read the scriptures this week, you're probably like me. You thought, man, that, that's a pretty smiting passage. And it, and it might seem that way to us, but just for a moment this morning, let me remind you. Many Christians in the early church, that apostolic church that many people want to go back to that you really don't want to go back to, but you think you do, you know, that church. Marcionism, Marcionism, saying that they didn't believe that the God of the Old Testament was the God of the New Testament. That's heresy. God is the same in the Old Testament as he is in the New. Make no mistake about it. God's pretty severe in this book, especially in Jeremiah. And there's no way of getting around that. We need to understand that as a church. Let me ask you something this morning. Do you not get angry when you, when you find out that a child's been abused? All of us, we do, don't we? How about that? Oh, what about an old person that's neglected? Let me tell you something, friends. If we live long enough, we're all going to get old. Old people being neglected. Does that not bug you? It should. Or the rhetoric of racist groups talking about people. God's creation. God created all people. Not just we white folks here in the Western world. All of us. And yet we find ourselves talking about people, making fun of people, because they're not just like us. Racist. Earlier in Jeremiah, we learned that God is angry about similar evils, and here they are. The greed of religious leaders that would be clergy. That would be clergy. False claims about peace in the land when there is no peace in the land. Oppression of strangers in the land. Orphans, widows, murder, liars, and the abandonment of the God who saved them in order to follow false gods. And false gods, we know, really offer us nothing at all. But we sure like following them. You and I know you and I know that what I have talked about up to this point still exists today. Still exists today. And I can't imagine that God is any more accepting of it today than he was then. I knew it'd get quiet. It's got quiet in all, every service up to now. Even when we acknowledge 
God's distressing rage of threats and violence in this book. The threats are always accompanied by an offer for a second chance. Aren't you glad? Your pastor is glad. I promise you I'm glad. Twice in this short passage, God says that people still have a chance to avoid punishment if they will turn. That means not to be sorry for what you've done, but to repent, to turn from their evil ways and turn to God. That means if you're going this way, turn and go back that way. To turn from our evil ways. To change our mind and to change our heart. And the only one that can do that is the good Lord. If we want to avoid punishment. This God may be angry. But this God also repeatedly offers the people a chance to repent and return. Scripture says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, you see what we do, especially in the church, especially in the church, especially in the church. What we do matters to God. How we treat one another, what we say, how we act. And God challenges us from our particular sins. You see, we're so prideful, we want to be molded into what we want. Not only are we the clay, and we know that we're the clay, don't we? Everybody, nobody hears the potter, are they? Okay, so everybody knows that God's God. Okay, that's a, that's a good place to start. God is God. God's ultimate goal, never forget this, is restoration and healing, not destruction and devastation. God's will is not that any single person perish. That's Scripture. It doesn't get any more Scripture than that. That not one person would be lost. And Jeremiah told the people to recommit to their covenant with Yahweh and abandon their attempts to have a Yahweh-Baal hybrid religion. We, like the people of Israel, cannot worship at two altars. Elijah, Elijah, Ahab and Jezebel. That's why nobody, I've never heard another woman named Jezebel or a guy, I've heard women called that, but I, I've never known of anybody whose name that that was. Elijah told them, told Israel, said, if Baal is God, worship him. That's what he said. But if Yahweh is God, worship him. We cannot worship at two altars. And you say, well, what does that mean? It probably means something a little bit different for all of us. It means for us to reflect in our lives and see what's important to us. Luke will remind us of that here in just a minute. Recommit to the covenant. God had made a covenant with his people Israel. God has made a covenant with us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. 
We're going to follow the gods of this world. We're going to follow Jesus. In today's Luke passage that y'all read all week long, Jesus is no less demanding. Jesus is no less harsh than our Old Testament lesson is. Jesus says this, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple unless you give up all of your possessions. Yikes. All of you that are literalist, you'll need to explain this to me after church. Hyperbole, maybe. To me, what this passage of Scripture is saying is this, that Charlize or Tommy or, or Jay or Maddie or Charlotte or Jerry or my mom or my dad, they can't, or even myself, cannot come before God. God has to be first. Not you. Not this church. Not my family. Not my, God must be first. And once we get that right, all this other stuff will fall into place. Well, what does that look like? to have God first in our life. You and I know that, for instance, about hating mother and father and everything, you and I know that honoring your mom and dad made the top ten. It did. Did it not? And it's, and it's the first command. wasn't a suggestion. It was a commandment. It's the first one that has a promise. You see the tension? You see the tension? God must be first. He won't settle for second. God will not settle for second place. Me saying that, about honoring our parents and all that, let me say this. At the same time, Christian people, we need to remember that there is no such thing as a Sunday and Wednesday only disciple of Jesus Christ. It's an everyday commitment. Serving on a church committee, good for you. That's not enough. For most members to, that's not enough for most members to demonstrate their discipleship. You see, it requires a life commitment. When we gave our lives to Jesus Christ to follow him as Lord and Savior, did we mean that that's everything but through the summer? Or, or everything in, until duck season? Or did we mean it's everything until I want to go play golf or whatever that is? I'm talking about keeping God first. There are places to find people that need compassion that need to hear that they're loved, that they're loved by the Lord. For us to seek ways for peace and justice, how bad this community needs it. And I know those of you that have lived here all your lives are offended when I say that. I get that. 
the practices of kindness and concern for the marginalized. Let me tell you, God's always on the side of the poor. You pick what side you want to be on. He's always on the side of the poor. Honest and, 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 when, and when you can, can talk about your story. I can't tell your story. You can. But guess what? You can't tell mine either. But I can. You people are so much more influential than clergy could ever be. And you have a responsibility. You're responsible for God's grace. And to share that with a broken and fallen world. Counting the cost. It entails sacrifice. Did I tell you about when I was going into the ordained ministry? Have I said that? When I was going into the ordained ministry, Wayne Clark was my district superintendent. Back then, we had districts uh, and district superintendents, and we actually knew one another. Uh, not so much now. But, but anyway, Wayne, I'd started, started back to college as an old man. And Wayne told me, he loved me enough to tell me, Tommy, listen to me. If you can live at peace with yourself, don't do this. Don't go into the ordained ministry. I thought, well, that crazy old man, he was all of 50. You know, hey, God's called me and I'm going, you know. Counting the cost, it involves sacrifice. And that's not just for clergy, that's for you too. What must we give up? To commit more to God. What, what would you have to give up to commit more to God? What are the false guards that we pursue that are taking our time and our resources? Even personal opportunities for spiritual growth. Well, I don't have time to take a Bible study class. The spiritual growth from our life in the God of resurrection into new life. John the Baptist, I think, has put it better than anyone ever has. He says, I must decrease so that Jesus can increase. If I want to grow spiritually, it has to become a whole lot less of old Tom in my life and a whole lot more of Jesus in my life then we begin to love one another. Then we be can begin to, to care for our kids, our grandkids. People that are still on this earth but don't know where they're at. Then, then, and only then, can we begin to walk in his steps. Discipleship is not just one more hobby or extracurricular activity would-be followers, we have to count the cost. Remember who the potter is, remember who the clay is. When we count the cost, it's not the same as a 5K charity run or expanding a Sunday school wing or building a building. No, no, it's much more than that. 
The cost must be counted. But it's not the same order as that. Discipleship has to do with a way of life. Letting God mold us into what God wants. You see, we already have our mind made up. Where do you have our mind made up? Well, I'm, I'm who God wants me to be. Really? Really? This week's readings, they do not provide us warm fuzzies. However, they do urge us to make hard choices in order to grow as disciples, experience new life and participate in the building realm of God's kingdom. Can you think of anything this morning more exciting than that? Anything that's more exciting than being a part of the realm of God's kingdom? This morning, this morning, what needs to be reworked or discontinued in your life? so that God can do something new and necessary in your life for the building up of his kingdom. I know the scripture passages this week were hard. I read the same scriptures that you did. I prayed for this worship service the same as you did. For the Holy Spirit to have his way so that we might have hearts and minds that are receptive. Thanks be to God. Amen.